Okay, Andrew, go ahead and put the first picture up there. That is Tokichi Ishii. Now, does anybody know who Tokichi Ishii is? Nobody? Okay. Is anybody here related to Mr. Ishii? Good, 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 because I don't think you want to be related to this guy, at least not back in the day. Mr. Tokichi Ishii was um, a bad man. That's the best way to put it, a bad man. He murdered many people, and he did not distinguish between who he murdered. He murdered men, he murdered women, and he murdered children. Anybody who got in his way, he essentially took out. And so he was captured, imprisoned, and sentenced to the death penalty, which was back in the day um, actually being hung on the gallows. But while Mr. Ishii was in jail, two Christian women visited him in an attempt to break through and to lead him to Christ, to tell him about Jesus. So they went to the jail, and Mr. Ishii sat on one side, and the lady sat on the other with bars in between. And the entire time that they spoke to him, he did not say a word. He just stared at them. He was not moved at all. And so the women left and figured, well, that's it. Now, let me ask you a couple questions as you think about this. If you were those two women, how would you have felt as you left that jail? I mean, you made an attempt. You tried to minister to this man. Many people just thought this man was an animal. But you made the attempt, you went to the jail, and he said nothing. He just stared at you. Probably would have felt a little bit discouraged, right? Now, what if you were Mr. Ishii's family or friends? What would you be thinking about this man? Well, probably that he was too far gone. He was past the point of being, um, of being able to be reformed. Or as we just sung a few songs ago, being resurrected, right? Because there are just some people that are so bad, that have done so many things that were horrible, there's just got to be no way that they can come back from that, right? Now, of course, where are we today? We're in a church, and not just any church, but a Christian church. So that means that we believe in Jesus. And we know that with Jesus Christ, nobody is too far gone. So what I want you to do now is I want you to think of somebody. Somebody in the world today that you would say the world would think they are too far gone. And now realize that they're not too far gone because of Jesus. Now, this is kind of an extreme illustration, of course, and I'm going to tell you the rest of Mr. Ishii's story um, at the end of the message. But let's bring it back kind of to home here. Because I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess that none of you are in this room that are in this room are mass murderers. I'm just going to take a leap of faith that, that, that that's the truth. And, and if you are, um, okay. Uh, but I'm going to guess that many of you, none of you are. Um, and I'm also going to guess that you may know 
of somebody this bad, but you're probably not related to anyone like this. You, you might be, but, but here's what I also know. Chances are very, very good that even though you don't know somebody this horrible, you do know people that have made mistakes. And you do know people who have sinned. And you do know people that the world looks at and says, man, that person is just, they're just too far gone. They're beyond even, even God's help. And I want to encourage you today by telling you that that's not true. That's not true. No matter what a person's done, as long as they're breathing, they're not beyond God's help. But I'm also thinking that there might possibly be Maybe a couple of you here today that are saying, okay, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't robbed, I haven't stolen, I haven't done anything that would get me in the newspapers. But I've done some stuff. And it's not good stuff. I've made some mistakes. And I hear what you're saying, Pastor Chris, but I think I'm, yeah, I'm beyond redemption. I'm too far gone. Well, I want to encourage you this morning that you're not. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about a really powerful story that happens in the Bible where Jesus is actually going to raise somebody from the dead. And from that story, we get kind of the obvious illustration of that one day we will spend our eternity with God. But we also get another really powerful illustration that I think applies to us Today, So if you have your Bible with you, I want you to turn with me to the book of John. And um, again, you might have your Bible on your phone, which is great. On your tablet, you might have like a real one like this. If you don't, there are some in the chairs, in the back pockets. But I also want you to know, and this is really important and very true. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, we will buy you one. You don't have to pay us. You just let us know, Pastor Chris, I need a Bible and... And we will get you one, your very own, that you can write in and and do all that fun stuff with. All right, so we're going to be looking at the book of John, John chapter 11. And even though there are some main points that we're making today, there are some little also nuggets, I think, um, of learning that we'll just kind of briefly touch on. But this is John chapter 11, and in my Bible, uh, it's titled first, The Death of Lazarus. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who had poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now let's stop here for just a second. So you understand now that um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are brother and sisters. They're also very good friends with Jesus. Lazarus is sick. So Mary and Martha make sure Jesus knows because they know that Jesus can heal Lazarus, right? Now, think about this for just a moment. When you find out 
that one of your friends is sick, what do you do? Well, you probably react right away, right? You go. Especially if you can do something about it, you go right away. But Jesus doesn't. It says, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, if you are new uh, to church, if you are new to God's word, one of the things you're going to learn quickly is that we as human beings have ideas and we have plans and we have ways that we think things should be done. But they're not always right. Jesus has ways. Jesus has plans. Jesus has how he thinks things should be done. And they're always perfect. They may not make sense to us, but that's okay. Because they're always perfect. And in Jesus' perfect plan, it was not ready for him to go. But let's find out what happens. Back to verse 7. It says, Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there. And Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. Now after he had said this, he went up on to tell them, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Now his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. And Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad. I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So this happens a lot. Jesus is, is living kind of along this plane, and the disciples, or us humans, kind of live along this plane, right? And so the disciples are like, okay, Jesus, the last time we went to Judea, they tried to stone you, they tried to kill you. If you go back there, they're gonna try to kill you again. And oh, by the way, Lazarus is sleeping, so he's gonna get better. And Jesus is like, no. Nah. Lazarus is not sleeping, he is dead. That's what I'm talking about. And what's great about this is even though Jesus is risking his life, that doesn't stop him from going to help Lazarus. And even though they think that maybe they're going to their deaths, what really is going to happen are the disciples are going to experience an amazing, an amazing miracle. So let's keep going, verse 17. It says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, I want to stop here real quick. Um, Think about that one for a moment. This is before medical science has progressed to the point that it is. This is in a very hot climate. So Lazarus has been dead and in the tomb for four days. What kind of a condition do you think Lazarus' body is in right now? It's decomposing. It stinks. It's not good, right? A little zombie-ish looking, if you want to go that way. Pretty gross. All right, that's important to know. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, 
my brother would not have died. Think about that one for a moment. How painful was that for Jesus to hear? But she recovers and says, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know. He will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now, I'm not going to go into um, all of the full background to this, but it's really quite interesting. All of the procedures and traditions that the Jewish people had when someone died and, and how they would take care of the body and, and, and how they would mourn. But one of the things you do need to know is they believed, they believed that the louder you were, the more commotion you made, the more honoring you were to the one that had departed. So when it says here that they were weeping, do not imagine people and little tiny tears um, coming down. These people were going nuts. They were, they were what someone would call keening. They were wailing. They were making a lot of noise, a lot of commotion. So that's what's happening right here, right now. So Jesus says, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Again, another illustration of the world seeing things different than God. All right, verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by the time, by this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. And then Jesus said, I did not tell you, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet, wrapped with strips, strips of linen and the cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Let's 
pause on that for just a, just a moment here. That's quite an amazing, amazing story, right? This man was dead. This man was beyond dead. He wasn't in a coma. He was dead. Four days. He was decomposing. And yet Jesus raised this man that was too far gone from the dead. Now, let's go to the rest of Mr. Ishi's story. I'm going to read it to you. It's pretty powerful. Because what I didn't tell you was that when the two women left, they gave him a Bible. They kind of left it there. Put the picture back up there, Andrew. All right. This is the rest of the story. He began to read the Bible. And having started it, he could not stop. He read on until he came to the story of the crucifixion. And he came to the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And these words broke him. I stopped, he said. I was stabbed to the heart, as if pierced by a five-inch nail. Shall I call it the love of Christ? Shall I call it his compassion? I do not know what to call it. I only know that I believed, and my hardness of heart was changed. Later, when the condemned man went to the scaffold, he was no longer the hardened, surely brute, surly brute that he once would have been, but a smiling, radiant man. The murderer had been born again. Christ had brought Takichi Ishii to life. Now that's awesome, isn't it? That's powerful. And of course, if we know Jesus, that shouldn't surprise us. But that's kind of an extreme illustration, right? And it's a hard one for a lot of us to relate to. So let me give you something that I think can relate to everybody here today. Let's go to this next quote. This is from William Barclay. I want to read this to you. It's in front of you. You can read it too. But as we go through it, we're going to go a little bit slow. Because what I want you to do is I want you to read this quote. And I want you to see if you can find yourself in this quote, or maybe somebody you know in this quote. Ready? A person can become so selfish that they are dead to the needs of others. Now, you're not going to get a selfish person uh, on the cover of a magazine or have a documentary done about them because they were selfish and dead to the needs of others. I mean, this is not big news. This kind of flies under the radar. But I think it's just as damaging as what Takichi Ishii had done. See, because if a person becomes so selfish that they are dead to the needs of others, what kind of spouse are they? Not a very good one. And while they might not be killing, literally, their husband, their wife, they are figuratively, right? They're killing their marriage, right? How about a mom and a dad? If a mom and a dad become so selfish that they are dead to the needs of others, what kind of parent is that person? What happens if a child becomes so selfish that they are dead to the needs of others? What kind of brother and sister are they? 
What kind of son? What kind of daughter? Let's go to the next one. A person can become so insensitive that they are dead to the feelings of others. Do you know people that are dead to the feelings of others? They don't care about others. How's that working out for them? A person can become so involved in the petty dishonesties and petty disloyalties of life that they are dead to honor. I think to myself, how many politicians throughout the history of the world could this describe? And how much damage have they done? But it also can apply to teachers and students and bosses and employees. And then a person can become so helpless that they are filled with inertia which is spiritual death. Now that's the big one, right? That's the big one. A person can become so helpless that they are filled with inertia, which is spiritual death. In other words, you may be sitting here today and you're saying to yourself, well, I haven't killed anybody. But you know your life, right? You know what you're doing. You know the sins that you're committing. You know how it's affecting you spiritually and you're becoming apathetic. You're slowly dying a spiritual death. And Satan is lying in your ear. Satan is saying, man, you are too far gone. Yeah, you're going to church. What did you do that day? You're reading the Bible. Who cares? You did this, and you've done that, and you said this, and you said that, and you're out. You are too far gone gone. Is that true? Nope. Jesus Christ can resurrect these people. And folks, these are our next steps simply for today. If you know somebody in your life who has made some mistakes, who has sinned, who the world looks at and says, man, they are too far gone. They're not worth praying about. They're not worth caring about. They're not worth inviting to church. Kick them to the curb. Don't. Lazarus was dead for four days in the tomb. He was decaying. He was stinking. And yet, what did Jesus do? Jesus set him free. Did you catch the last part of that scripture. My wife showed this to me today in between services in the kitchen. She's like, I'm getting all tingly. <laughs> and if you know Joanne, that makes complete, complete sense. The last verse, Jesus says, it says, Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. She's like, that's like God saying to Satan, let them go, right? Tell Satan to get out, to let you go. You're done with your sin. You're done with your apathy. You're done with spiritual dryness. You are back. You want to get alive again. You can do it, folks. If you're here today and you've been sinning and you've been messing up, God will forgive you if you ask him. God will make you clean. God will set you free. If you are here today and you know somebody who's beyond repair, so to speak, never, never beyond repair. Pray for them. Keep praying for them. As long as they got breath, 
they can still come back. Jesus can still resurrect them. 